Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's Mike Clay and he's next. And now from the legendary Studio B. So you're in Seattle with Gregor. Mike is a dude who makes posters and music come together for poster art. Perhaps you've seen it before when you go to Flatstock. It's a part of Bumbershoot every year. It's a concert poster exhibition at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. And it's this weekend. Not only is it the second, third, and fourth like Bumbershoot, it is also the fifth. They've decided to stay open an extra day on Labor Day. You see, Bumbershoot was always Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Well, they've moved it now, so it's a day earlier. But Monday, Labor Day is still open, and they thought, let's stick around and have a chance to let you get in for free. So even if you can't make it to Bumbershoot, huge mistake, you'll have a chance to see some of the finest art from across the country when it comes to bands on tour and the silk screening business combined. Do I hear myself? Yes, I do. Oh, you sound good. Oh, wow. You got a good voice for this. I immediately am reconsidering my uh, <laughs> reconsidering my life here, my life choices. Okay, well we're we're rolling. That's how this works. Sweet. <laughs> there's no there's no rhyme or reason to this. Mike Clay is a graphic designer. I take an artist. I am a and graphic designer, a screen printer, a illustrator, all the above. And on top of that, you're helping organize Flatstock. I am. I am indeed a tra- the organization master behind Flatstock this year. It is a uh, tradition at Bumbershoot Seattle Center every year. I remember when it used to be um, down in the exhibit center. What was that called? The um, Fisher Pavilion. Thank you. And then it, when it, they said it wasn't going to be there anymore, I thought it was gone. And I was like, no! Can't get rid of flat stock. That's like one of the big reasons I go to Bumbershoot is to see that. Correct, Dave. Uh, we've had numerous incarnations of where we where we actually set up flat stock. Uh, we were orig- originally in the food court uh, before they changed it to the armory. Yeah, sure. And you know they had Sabaro and Subway and and all these horrible places to eat. I haven't had a Sabaro in like a, probably like fifteen years. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if they're even around anymore. Maybe in the malls. Okay. Um, and we then we got. 75 people coming out for Flatstock, and we needed a bigger space. They put us in the Fisher Pavilion, and it was great those years. Now, with AEG taking over Flatstock, or not Flatstock, Lumbershoot in general, they put us back last year. It almost didn't happen last year. No, no. About a month before Bumbershoot, we were about to can it because there was no organization. They had an intern running um, point for us, for AEG. Oh my God! That's, a, that's part of the transition, though. Exactly. When they switched from uh, what was one reel that did it before, yeah. and AEG picked it up at the last minute and just kind of said, "Like, here we go." Exactly. All right. And uh, so we, I kind of 
took everybody and harnessed everybody back in and said, come on, let's do it. It's a month out. I know we probably won't get people from, you know, Minnesota or something coming out. Uh, and we had a pretty decent showing. I think we had about 30 artists. And this year, I wanted to get it on point in June, get it done. And yeah, we got a lot more people signed up and flying out for it. And everybody was able to, you know, plan their hotel, plan their flights. Sure. So. Uh, the I guess we should do a better job of setting up what exactly this is because I mentioned Flatstock to someone the other day who's a Seattle person who's done these things and they were like what yeah and I'm like what do you mean what Flatstock is a huge gathering of artists who have done poster art what it, is there a technical term for it it's a concert poster exhibition concert poster ex- exhibition happens in the Armory now every year uh, we changed it this year what That's you moved enough. again we moved again. Ah! <laughs> So we, everybody kind of griped that we're back in the food court after being in this luxurious big space yeah. of the Fisher Pavilion. Uh, I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good traffic. There's yeah. a lot of people getting bite and just stumble upon it. Yeah. Uh, we're in the exhibition hall Oh, this year. So you moved back to the... With, well, it's the sunken hall at the north end of the campus, a north end of the Seattle Center. Okay. Um, we're inside with... Uh, the breakdance stage. Oh, what? Yeah. The, so the breakdance stage is in there. There's other visual arts and then our poster exhibition. Is that near the comedy, sort of? Kind of. Okay. I, don't, I don't know exactly where the comedy is. I'll have series. to figure all this out. I'll, mm-hmm. post a, I'll post a map when I actually blog about this yep. and stuff so people can find it. But okay, so you're moving around again. Yeah. I feel like it, the art is so awesome that it's it's like rad poster art, not just from Seattle shows, but from artists around the country. And there's so many brilliant, beautiful ideas of all different styles. It's almost like tattoo art on on paper. Right, um, right, yep. And there, there's so many different things that it it calls to people itself, no matter where you end up. I feel like people, are they find it. It does, yeah. Uh, we we try to get the word out, and they, they're doing a good job this year of labeling where we're going to be at. And uh, we've had a couple uh, people, other businesses like Polite Society and Easy Street Records help us out and promote. Um, and there's also a preview show happening right now that was happening throughout the whole month of August, and it was happening in the KXB gathering space. Sure, that so, makes sense if they're on Seattle Center. Yep. So they have like a preview show of 30 posters, one from each studio that's going to be there. Oh, cool, man. Sweet. And, I think yeah. I saw some press on that. Yeah, uh, I think maybe you sent it to me. <laughs> well, that's cool. So are you, a, are you a poster artist yourself? I am. I had a boring corporate design gig. Um, from cool. about 2001 to 2005. Yeah. And I had all these other ideas in my head. And what I were all, you doing at the corporate place? Like what type of stuff? It was in-house creative services, basically for an insurance broker. Oh boy. Making boring words look pretty. Yeah, I sure. Guess, you know, and team charts and all this stuff. Lots of typography. And- yeah. Uh, it was, so I had all these other ideas in my head and I needed to, a way to get them out. So, yeah. and I've always been a huge fan of music and then I became a designer, graphic designer, been drawing my whole life. And the concert poster is a perfect marriage of art and music. It's so cool. So I made my first concert poster for a drum and bass night at Chop Suey in 2003, one of those little digital ones you see on the poles. Yeah. And uh, my first flat stock was that year as well in 2003. And I had about eight 11 by 17 posters, made literally no money. But seeing all this other art, basically people were like, you have to silkscreen your art. Learned how to silkscreen. So you just printed them like at Kinko's or something like that? Yeah, just a digital copy. Okay, that's what you mean. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So I learned how to silkscreen through a friend. 
in his studio one bedroom apartment apartment he had a washout in his bathtub and it was ghetto to the max cool and learned and the rest is history i mean set up my own press printed in his basement set up my own press and now i have a semi-auto press which is it's a little more set up and not so hand pulled but uh it's basically put paper in kick a foot pedal it floods and it prints and then it pops up and you take paper out okay well i mean i think there's some differentiations we should go through here like when you're talking about just printing a digital flyer mm-hmm. you're just getting a one pass or a couple pass with like a laser printer or something like that onto yeah. like it was it onto could you do it onto nice paper and make it look all right uh yeah you can do with the digitals i mean you it all depends on the stock of paper you okay. can you know do cardstock or just a flimsy piece that you know they mask they print like a thousand and so this guy tells you like to do screen printing and screen printing it's essentially your uh, how do you call it your uh, i'm trying to simplify what screen printing is screen too. printing you're passing a you're passing ink through a screen that has a stencil on it yeah, onto a substrate below it's the same as uh shirt printing basically sure. except you're doing it on paper shirt printing needs an added heat element to cure the ink to the shirt with poster printing it dries in like 15 minutes and do you go each color is a single pass on its own then because you have to have different stencils let's say you have 100 posters you put your first color you do all 100 of those take the screen out put in your new stencil do another 100 with your second color and i mean people do like crazy 15 color screen prints and i mean the the possibilities are endless except you have to keep it perfectly Registration, yeah. yep. Registration. So you basically have reg lines and you line it up. And I basically just put the screen down and look through it and shift my paper to where it needs to be. <sighs> Vacuum comes on, sucks the paper down and makes it not move. You put your tabs down and voila. Wow, man. So I guess what's the advantage to doing it that way? Like what, as an artist, why would you, why did your friend say, dude, you got to start screen printing? With screen printing, um, you get more of that handmade look to it things like imperfections um and essentially they become become collector's items because you make this addition of let's say a hundred and you sign a number of them and then they become collectible so they could retain you know money uh gain monetary value via money um some of those you know early Fillmore posters you find on ebay are just ridiculously expensive and they become this kind of archive of this event you know, that happened. And yeah, there's just a huge draw towards them. Now, I mean, has there, has it like other things in an analog world that's rapidly becoming digital? Has it become a bigger deal in the recent years that people want this physical piece of art? Or has it always been a draw for people like uh, touring that you know of? I, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, People like the handmade quality, and one thing about it is it's so accessible that pretty much anybody can learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's they teach t- at the Vera Project, yeah. and you can learn there. Exactly, they you 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 kind of get ta- can get taught and do it yourself. The setup, buying all your materials is kind of expensive at first, but once you get going, I mean, you're saving money by printing it yourself. Sure, basically, and it's kind of become with bands. Bands usually now kind of look at it as a merch item. So it, the concert posters kind of become the new concert t-shirt. 
So they'll sell them at their merch booth, and they'll have like a run for either the night or their tour that they take around with them and sell. That's kind of what I'm getting at, because mm-hmm. as a kid going to shows, I went to a lot of punk concerts and stuff like that, so those guys probably didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but I never saw posters for sale from the night. Maybe the... Maybe the label that they did, you know, did a digital run that looked nice or whatever, but just on flimsy, shiny paper that they would, you know, they would uh, tape up everywhere around the area a couple of days before or something like that. But I, I don't know if that's a new phenomenon or if I just was living in small dorky towns where they didn't offer it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I have no idea. Back then, I mean, I think the bands actually went and spent time at Kinko's and Xerox their own stuff. Wow. You know, just there, there's that other DIY aspect yeah. where you're at Kinko's and uh, Xeroxing all this stuff numerous times, which gives it that grungy kind of look, sure. you know? Especially in the punk rock world, man. Exactly. Sure. Well, that's awesome. So it's not, it's a bunch of people getting together, learning an art form, which is screen printing, and there's an investment, and there's more to it than just being able to just print. You got to like imagine it right. You got to separate it correctly, I would imagine. Exactly, and then, yeah. And then so. Flatstock, effectively, to get back to what we started a few minutes ago, is a gathering of a bunch of people like yourself that make posters and collect all, uh, collections of art, and they set up booths, and you can come by and see one artist, many artists, a portion of like from a few artists together, all collected in one area. Correct. And it's not just local people in Seattle, right? You bring in, like you started to say, from like it's not the guy from Minnesota or whatever. You bring in a whole variety of artists. Yeah, we have a, a I mean, just reading down the list. I mean, someone coming from Houston, someone from Austin, uh, Portland, L.A., Eugene, uh, where, where, what else? Las Vegas, cool. Concord, California, Missoula, Montana. These people are everywhere, and they're doing the same thing, and it's really cool. We're all kind of like a family that do these shows, these flat stock shows. Uh, Seattle is one of four that happen worldwide. Oh, wow. Uh, It was the actual third one. The first one was actually orchestrated and put on by a guy named Frank Kozik um, in San Francisco in 2002, I believe. Uh, It all stemmed from a site, a website that unfortunately doesn't exist anymore called gigposters.com. So you had this digital site where there were forums and you could basically learn how to screen print through a forum. And it was a collection of all these posters. You make your poster, you upload it, you get comments, and you have this digital family, essentially. And they thought, Frank said, hey, why don't we put a show together? Why don't we all get together and see what this becomes? Cool. So the American Poster Institute, which is a nonprofit um, has all of these accredited professionals that we base the API uh, for short, they put on that flat stock shows and they orchestrate everything and deal with all the logistics. The second one happened at South by Southwest Smart. in Austin, Texas, in the convention center there. And the common theme is they all coincide with the music festival because it's a built in audience. Yeah. Um, uh, music, art, it's, it's a no brainer pretty much. Uh, the third one happened in Seattle. And then the fourth one started in Chicago at Pitchfork Music Festival. Mm-hmm. And now there's a European contingent. Uh, they do it at the Reperbahn Festival in Hamburg, Germany. And that happens right after the flat, the flat stock here at Bummershoot. Do, I wonder, some of the artists must travel from one to the next. Yeah, right? a, lo- a lot. I'm one of the, I would say, the minorities where I have a day job and I don't do this full time. Uh, I probably could but i'm just like that paycheck you know (laughs) steady paycheck 
Uh, you must be a family man. <laughs> That's, uh, those exactly. are the words of a family man. Yes, the kids need need insurance. <laughs> is is the business competitive? Like, I can only imagine there's like a kick-ass show coming to town, and you really want to do that Fleet Foxes show from a few years ago, and everyone kind of wants a piece of that. Is there a competitiveness to it? It's probably more competitive for those that do it full time. Um, we all kind of get along and don't see it as competition. Cool. Um, they the the channels in Seattle, the the venues and the promoters, they have a list and they go through the list and kind of throw it up in the air. Hey, you want to do a poster for the show? And it's basically first come, first serve. And it's become now uh, what I found in Seattle that the promoters will actually pay you for a run, let's say 50. Uh, they cover your cost oh. to make the poster and then they give them out to the bands, to VIPs, to employees. And then after the show, you can sell your remaining copies and recoup what you spent and time and energy and what you put into it. Oh, fun, man. Yeah. So that's why you see them on websites. You can go buy posters. And yeah, Flatstock will be one place where you can just walk up to the artist, talk to them, and bring home art with it's, you. You know, it, it. I've said this already two moments ago, was that it, it reminds me sort of a tattoo expo, like where you have a bunch of artists that instead of using skin, they're using paper as their medium. Correct. But you really get to see a wide variety of styles and different people's takes on different things and the shows that they gravitate towards. Correct. It's, yes. How many booths do you have uh, approximately we, at a flat stock? We have, I want to say 40 and, and 40 people, booths. And 40 booths, people pay to rent out a space and yep. then bring their art and hang it up? Yeah, basically, uh, the API facilitates that. We basically just set the booth fee for the artists. Mm -hmm. That covers the cost that we have to pay the festival. You know, they charge us for rent for the room. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and everybody goes and has a great time and wow. hopefully, hopefully walks away with a little bit of extra money. It's tough to put people on the spot like this, but are there some po posters that you've seen at Flatstock where you're like, "Damn, that's the that's the jam." Is there like stuff that stood out to you? The, it all stands out. Yeah. It's it's kind of I mean, each Flatstock is different. Uh, you have a lot of the same studios and artists that go to these, so you're familiar with their work if you and now with the, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you see their work before you actually see the physical copy. I didn't even I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I didn't even think about how you could actually do your like homework before that. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. Is there any money to be made in this? It doesn't it, lots of times art is not there's no uh, payoff for art. You do it because you love it or whatever. Yeah, but. there's there's an ongoing rolling joke that uh, you can't make a living making concert posters. And, uh, I mean, some of the greats have, you know. Uh, it, it's I, I think it's a starting point, and you create this body of work, and then you get hired because of that body of work to do something completely different. Like uh, uh, other clients come knocking on your door, you know. So that's where the where the professional designer or artist or illustrator will make their bulk of their money and support themselves in the community is there are there people that are like certain styles you know like you, you can hear the difference between blues and and you know uh pop music in a second or whatever but like in the poster community is there like that guy's a this type of style is does that exist at all uh i don't know if you would you would label it with a type of genre or style it's more uh, like this person is really good at doing his posters on the computer digitally there's a lot of people that hand draw their posters which is super time consuming and there's sure. so many talented illustrators that actually make each poster like it's the best poster ever and some of these details that you 
can get when you illustrate a poster and then you put it into the, sc the screen print medium and make a screen print, the colors, the vibrant, the details is just eye popping. Cool. Just, just like eye overload, basically. Who are some cool artists that you've gotten a chance to make posters for that you were like, oh, that was fun? Oh, it's, it ranges everywhere. Uh, Death Cab, yeah. back in 2006, I did a tour poster for them. Um, there's a lot of local bands, Kinski, who really, really like concert posters. Um, I want to get into one of their homes and be able, I mean, I'll, with permission, and yeah. uh, and see the, the posters that they hang up of their own tours and stuff for yeah. uh, people that are into that. The, la the last one I did was for Ben Harper at the Mary Moore show. So, yeah, it's all over the board, and I'm... I, my music style is, I guess, what I listen to is so diverse. So I kind of stretch it all over. I've even done stuff for like electronic artists, like James Lavelle from Uncle. I so. mean, is there ever a point where you just do it because you're like you're like just bored and you're like love art, so you just make a fun poster, even though you might not <laughs> have a gig? I used to do that a whole bunch when I had time, and now it's with a day job, with the family, with <laughs> making posters and. I mean, a lot of this this concert poster stuff led to other merch, to I'm making hats, uh, like the evergreen sticker you saw. I made yeah. cool hats and uh, uh, stickers, uh, shirts, uh, art prints. So basically, it's a concert poster that's silkscreen, but it doesn't have a name on it. It doesn't have a band on it. Oh, cool. It's just an image that you know you came up with in your head. And so I imagine if a if a boring corporate uh, company wants to have a creative person doing those memos for them or whatever, that there are people that want to hire you then just for your art, just without the concert names. It exactly. Like. Yep. Yep. Oh, I put on a poster show, uh, piggybacked on Flatstock, at the Northwest Folklife Festival called Paperstock cool. instead of Flatstock, and it was a small collective of local designers. Um, and it was free inside gallery walls uh, at the Seattle Center. And a higher up from REI comes walking through. And all of a sudden I get an email from REI. Hey, we need some of your art. We'd love to use it as retail display in our stores. So one avenue leads to another. What's the art that you like to do? Like, what, what? A lot of my stuff is like outdoors stuff. I mean, I grew up in California going to Tahoe and was outside all the time, either at the beach or in the mountains. And a lot of my stuff relates to that you know uh n nature scenery and mountains and and stuff like that i think that so. speaks to a lot of artists um, as well especially that... yeah in the northwest yeah yeah oh man so a death cab is like right up your alley yep. then yep is there anyone that you like if you could who is somebody that you would want to take a stab at doing a poster for you must daydream about this from time to time that's a tough question. I know. The latest one I wanted to do was uh, Cigar Rose, yeah. which is coming up. But the the promoter uh, basically wanted to buy a run of the posters, but would only let me print that amount. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to have any for myself afterwards. So I kind of passed. And then if you have integrity, then you you stick to those terms. And yeah. if you are like, screw you, I'll just print my own and hang it up in my house. Yeah, That's crazy. So... Does it? I guess I don't know who orders them. I mean, is it is it a band that orders prints for themselves, or does the local promoter do it, or is it, there sometimes both? Both, yeah. The bands will definitely, basically, their manager handles it. Their manager will contact you and say, "Hey, we we need a quote for uh, this poster that run that we want for a tour, or something like that." Usually, most most bands will do it for a tour. Um, the Band of Horses guys really like silkscreen posters too, and I've done two for them. Oh, 
they're so good and, too. and those are hot sellers i mean everybody loves band of horses yeah and that's you know? perfect for if you're talking about doing nature imagery and those guys it feels like it goes right together yeah and it's so easy nowadays with the with the web just you know throw up a store and people will order worldwide i've shipped you know tubes to europe tubes to japan so does that so accessible how does that affect the how does that affect like the local flat stock community then i mean everyone's online everyone can yep. like i've i've paid with a card on square now so i can like get stuff there or taking a a business card how does it affect the flat stock community when it comes to getting together uh it doesn't really affect i mean it, it's a, it's a positive definitely when oh, good. when everybody comes together uh because when people are at a festival they're looking for uh something to take away from it you know, and it, when they happily stumble upon Flatstock, even if they didn't know it existed or was part of the festival, and they see all this stuff, it's kind of, I mean, as a human, you're kind of urged to buy something, overwhelms you, and you leave with a poster. Especially when it's beautiful uh, yeah, art. Exactly. It's not just a toaster or something like that. Yeah. That's, um, tips for hanging some of these posters up, because it. I have... 15 of them at my house that I've just bought on impulse like you're talking about. I try to go once or twice every year just to see them. Um, but I never want to I, I want to frame them and hang them up in my house and I never do because it's expensive to frame things. Framing 90% of the time will be more expensive than the actual print you bought. Yeah, easily. Yeah. I'm spending 25 bucks. That, that's, a, that's another thing we should say about Flatstock is that it's wonderfully oftentimes affordable. 20 bucks oftentimes will get you a great print of something. Exactly, yeah. It's the, not You're not spending $200 in most circumstances mm-hmm. to get the poster that you like. Yeah, it's, a, I mean, super affordable. 20, 30 bucks is the average for a print. Yeah. You know, and you're, I mean, anybody could basically pull that out of their wallet and walk away. Yeah, I mean, if you're already, so I don't know, I don't know, like, uh, methods for d- displaying the, framing, the yes. Yeah, because I literally have 10 posters that are not hanging up. Yeah, I, the number one thing I always did was go to the penny sale at Aaron Brothers twice a year that you could buy a frame for a regular price and then get a second one for a penny oh my god but we had aaron brothers um just down the street from my day job at the triple door and they closed so now i'm (laughs) like where are my frames (sighs) or i tell a lot of people to americanframe.com okay um they you basically put in the dimensions on the website you can upload a jpeg of your art and they send you the frame unassembled uh, with plexiglass, so there's no risk of the glass breaking in the mail, and it's affordable because they send it to you unassembled. You can get a frame with a mat for like seventy bucks shipped. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty affordable. Yeah, because I, that's cool that they can make it to size then, because that's what I run into yep. is that like I've got um, I, I specifically know my favorite poster I've ever bought, and I have this awesome ISIS the band poster. I'm not mm-hmm. running ISIS propaganda in my house but uh and it's a rad war elephant that's on there and it's so cool and it's on like a real like a coffee colored paper like coffee stained paper Mm -hmm. um and so it's hard to find a cool frame to match to it and i've just never done anything with it because like i don't want to i don't want to damage it i just want to find the right thing but also ah so let's go okay americanframe.com and also uh there's uh some kickstarters that happened with some new framing solutions with people making these wood strips that are like the width of your poster and they have magnets so basically you you hang this wood rail on your wall and you do the top and the bottom and you have your other wood piece that has magnets in it and you can just put your print up and it magnets basically up onto the wall oh that's so dope because then you can hang the first part and you switch them out 
you know? And if you hang the first part, you can make sure it's level rather than trying exactly. to figure it out in the, in the end. Yep. That's so rad. Okay. So flat stock, an important detail about flat stock this year. This all started, our conversation started a few days ago because Bumbershoot moved their festival from Saturday, Sunday, Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday now. Yes. AG running it, they decided to try and, which, by the way, I love this idea because I'd love if you are lucky enough to have Monday off, to have Monday off and recover from three days of a festival. Correct. But also, you guys are already set up. Yep. So you're going to do an extra day? Yeah. We'll be there on Monday, uh, Labor Day, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. We basically, the way I saw it was when they changed those days to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, everybody's already set up. Everybody's already in town. Why? I'm, they're not going to say no to an extra day yeah. of working an extra day. And the bonus, which AEG totally stoked us on, is that it's free and open to the public. You don't need a bumper shoot pass to come check out Flatstock, which is the number one gripe that we've got as artists every year. I love Flatstock, but I don't want to have to pay it for a bumper shoot ticket to come to Flatstock. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we've always been trying to think of a way to have Flatstock without the music festival, but you have your built-in audience there, so having this extra day is just going to be... Now, Super fun. The folks at Bumbershoot would love it, at AEG would love it if you bought a ticket, a three-day ticket, something like that, to come see a bunch of music and eat a bunch of food and drink some beers or whatever. But if you can't make that happen, especially if you can't afford it and you still want to see kick-ass art, we'll, uh, Seattle Center on Monday after Bumbershoot is wrapped up for free. Yep. Exhibition Hall, uh, which is on Mercer Street. The doors will be open. I think it's right underneath Pacific Northwest Ballet. Third mm-hmm. and Mercer, Third Ave North, uh, will be there. Come on down. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And guess what? There's free parking on oh. Labor Day. Oh, that's right. Because free it's... street parking. Uh... <laughs> no and, reason not to come down. And the festival will be out of your way if you exactly. come down on Monday also. It's, it's not going to be super crazy, super slam down there, but it's going to be nice and mellow for people to stroll around and peruse. Will most of your artists stick around for the extra day? Yeah, everyone's sticking around. What's the breakdown between local and... Uh, and everyone else, approximately. Let me, let me count. We have uh, one, two, th- like lo- Seattle, we have about five artists. Oh, wow. Five studios that are Seattle. Uh, Portland, we have two. Oregon, we have two. And then, yeah, it's a lot of the Austin contingent is coming up because there's a lot of artists in Austin, yeah. and they do the flat stock um, down there. During South by Southwest, so so this year four years of or four days rather of uh, flat stock, and it's, it starts on Friday. That's uh, September second and runs second, third, fourth, and fifth uh, at the Exhibition Hall, Seattle Center. Part of Bumbershoot, but also not part of Bumbershoot on Monday. If you want to go down because you didn't have tickets for this weekend, you can check it out there. Mike, thanks for coming in. Yeah, man. thanks. Anything we're, else? Anything else you got? You know, the times will be there from one thirty to nine thirty. They since AG pushed that. Pushed the or took over. They pushed the times, the opening times for mm-hmm. uh, Bumbershoot in general. Yeah. Back, it's not open in the morning. The gates are at I think one or something cool. like that. So one thirty to nine thirty. And are there the tubes available there? So if people buy poster art, they can. Yes, the American Poster Institute will actually have a booth um, with we, which we have volunteers running, and they will have, be selling cardboard tubes. I think they're like five bucks. Yeah. Most artists are already set up. They have a plastic sleeve so you don't damage your print when you take it away or a plastic bag. But if you want that extra protection or you're hopping on a flight, 
you can just get a tube. Yeah, it can be a real drag to have to carry it around all day long um, and worry about it the whole time. So getting that tube was there. All right. Well, best of luck. Can't wait to see all Thank the you. art this year. I'll come out and say hi and find yeah. Did you have your own booth this year? I or? do. That'll yep. be great. We also have print demos happening, so you can actually see how the silkscreen poster is uh, made. Do you know when those are happening? It's uh, it's throughout the whole festival. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so you can uh, uh, somebody will have his name's Eric Carnell. He Independence Printage is his studio name. He is running demos, so the artists submitted art to him, and he's printing it on site throughout the whole weekend. That's so cool. Yep. Tell me how we can get in touch with you if we had any questions or anything. Uh, my email's best. My email's mike at powerslidedesign.com. Okay. Or uh, you can tweet me at Mike P. Clay, K-L-A-Y. Cool. Mike, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Gregor. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog, Joe. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.